What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Up in Flames here on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. If you're tuning in live, I very, very much appreciate it. But I got a special, special guest in the building. He's been on Up in Flames multiple times. Y'all know who he is. Max Van Auken from the MVP podcast, part of Sports Talk 2319. The superstar of podcasting is what I like to call him. But we're going to bring him in in a second. But we'll bring him in right after this. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames, hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames, yeah, uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Woo. We up in, uh, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames. Welcome once again. To another edition of Up in Flames. As promised, I got my guy Max Van Auken in the building. Max, what's going on, bro? What's going? I thought I'm Tom Holland. <laughs> I don't know who's watching. You know, a lot, a lot of people say that. I'm sure you've heard that so many times. The new Spider-Man movie that came out. So I'm yeah. sure you probably wanted your autograph, I would assume. Yeah, listen to this. So at first, first of all, thanks for having me on. I love your show. Um, I So I work at the Nike store, right? And mm-hmm. I was at the cash registers and when you're not doing what you love, it's just hard to focus on things. So you just, like, I would find just certain things to focus on. So, but one of these are one of these days where I'm like, man, this is not what I want to be. I want to be recording my show. I want to be doing this, that, and the third. But I, so I'm kind of daydreaming, but I noticed at the corner of my eye, I'm like, this family just keeps staring at me. I'm like, I don't know why they're staring at me. And so eventually they come up and one of the, the sister, the older sister comes up. She's like, I'm so sorry, but can you please tell my little sister that you are not Spider-Man? I was like, What? And then we're like, she thinks she looked just like Tom Holland. I'm like, you know, ever since you told me that, I used to never get that. And then as soon as you told me how many people thought I looked like Tom Holland, it just started lining up. And at first I rejected it and I didn't like the idea. But then I'm like, wait a second, he bags in day in real life. So actually, this is a compliment. So I'll take it. But today I could be Max Van Auken for you. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those, like, when it first was said, like, I got text messages, a couple of my homeboys, and was like, yo, dude look like Spider-Man, like... <laughs> Tom Holland. Then a couple people from the network were like, yo, like, is that is that Max or is that Tom Holland you got on the screen? I said, I wish I was big enough to get Tom Holland, but I got right, another right, right. star on the show anyway. So no, you know. I appreciate it, man. You're the true superstar. The Murphys, uh, you guys are always putting up great content. So I appreciate it. And you will be coming on my show here shortly. We'll talk about that after uh this episode. But yeah, I would love to have you on too. You're one of the best sports minds in the business. I love how real you keep it. A lot of people try to create content not throwing shade at anyone in particular but there's a lot of content creators out there now right there's so many podcasts and so many different shows but i like how real you keep it you're not you're not afraid you're not disrespectful with it but you're not afraid to say how you feel and to me whenever you get like that real authentic take those are usually the best takes whether you're right or wrong honestly i'm not really into that i'm more into why you feel the way you did because at the end of the day sports is always rotating whether you're right or wrong there's so many things i've gotten wrong and there's so many things i've gotten right but i like how you deliver your takes yeah, and sometimes, you know, I appreciate that. And sometimes I could be right. Like, I said something, and I'm right for now. But in the long haul, like, 
yeah, I turned out to be wrong. Like I could go back to so many things I've said and I was like, I guess I just, I just completely missed. But, and the one thing is, and you know, very well being friends with, you know, Rashad, people focus on your misses so much oh, yeah. That, yeah. that they don't pay attention. Like you could be nine out of 10 hits, but that mm-hmm. one miss, they continue to focus on. See it with Rashad every day. Like he, he drops jewel after jewel after jewel. And everybody wants to bring up the Luca take. And he's like, I can't times, believe it. How many times do I have to apologize and tell y'all I was wrong before yeah. y'all finally let me live that down? Like, like they do not let him live that down. It's always being brought up. He, he posted about his book. And people are talking about who's going <laughs> to listen to this dude. Look what he said about Luke. I'm like, bro, man, and apologize about a thousand times. How many times you got to say sorry? Yeah. And if anything, like this should be a cool story. The guy that usually gets stuff right. And there's the, like a hidden gem that no one saw with like Luca. Like, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm a glass half full guy. So like, I can never relate when people focus on the negative of a situation. Like if you don't like a situation, you don't like someone's take, just move on. Like there's, there's no need for you to engage. There's no, if you don't like it, the cool thing about Twitter is you could keep scrolling. Like you don't have to let that ruin exactly. your day. Or you so. don't have to press the follow button or you don't have to comment on something. Like I, I never get that. They don't no. let you sit down and it's like, just keep scrolling. Like I don't give everybody who has bad takes and bad tweets attention. Like I just be like, wow, this dude's an idiot. And I keep going like whatever. You have never seen me in a Twitter battle. You know, like every once in a while I'll get into a fun debate, but as soon as it gets like just personal, like you, for one, you have to be following someone or you're aware of what they do in order to hate on what they do. So that's exactly. just always weird to me. And as just adults, I feel like conversations when it comes to beef or if you have a problem with somebody, just have that conversation over the phone or just meet with them and talk. Like just the social I, media thing is such a weird thing. Twitter. Like more than likely, like I live in Texas, more than likely you're in like New York or Florida or Montana <laughs> or Wyoming. I'm not about to beef with you. Like one, I'm too no. grown for that. And two, like I'm not about, there's no going to, there's going to be no resolve by arguing with you online. It's just it's nothing. Nothing's gonna happen. You're not gonna fly to Texas. I'm not gonna fly to <laughs> or wherever. Like I don't want to harm nobody that bad. You can send a threat. Like I don't know. Social media gets a little, you know, I get a little carried away sometimes. So I want to go straight into it. Yep. We're gonna talk about the MVP ladder. Uh, we don't necessarily have to talk about where you have one, two, three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. But I do. Before we really get into it, who's been a guy that should be higher on the list? that's just not getting a lot of love, I think, as an MVP? Or who's somebody who's too low on the list or, or too high? Like, okay, no, he's not real, a realistic. Like, just when you think about MVPs, what are you looking at and, and who's the guy that stands out in your eyes this year? Okay, I'm going to have two things that people aren't going to like. So we just talked about people not liking takes. One, we just need to rename the award completely to BPA, Best Player Award. So then we can actually rank historically who's the best player. Like, hey, this guy's been the best player for seven seasons, three seasons. He has four BPAs. He's been the best player for four seasons. You can measure the greats that way, I feel. It would be more effective because the word valuable is always up for interpretation. If you look at the awards in the past, it's been narrative-driven. It's been best season. It's never truly valuable. There's only a real like handful of guys that are truly valuable. And so to answer your question on pure value, if you're asking me who's been slept on, and it's this, it seems like this would be a common take, but it's no longer common, and you can't say it is because he hasn't won since he was the Miami Heat is LeBron James. This mm-hmm. guy hasn't won an MVP since he was with the Miami Heat. And that blows my mind because – The guy, if you took a stat sheet, right, and you took the narrative of what's going on with the Lakers, and but you didn't put LeBron, you just saw a figure, and you saw a guy who was about to lead the league in scoring in year 19 
where when he plays is the only chance that team has a chance of winning. And the only reason we're still talking about them is because of this guy. And on top of that, the only way they'll possibly have any postseason success if they get into the postseason because of the plan is because of this guy. How is he not considered in the MVP award? But because his name is LeBron and he has four of them, and we expect him to be up at the top seed, he doesn't even get considered. But if that was any other guy with a blank resume, how could the guy who possibly could be leading the league in scoring not be considered in the top three, four, or even five MVP categories? That blows yeah. my mind. Yeah, and I think you're even starting, like I say you're starting to get, not us, but people are starting to get like voters fatigue on really considering Giannis an MVP. Like yes. Giannis is outdoing his, his MVP seasons right now. He might lead the league in scoring. Like if it's like Giannis leads the league in scoring right now, and historically, like, this is his best season yet, but because he's already got two, he just came off a win in a finals and a finals MVP, like, uh, we don't want to give it to him. We don't want to label him the best player in the league. LeBron's still there. Kevin Durant's still there. We want somebody new. Enter Joel Embiid. We don't even want to consider Jokic a back-to-back -back MVP because, you know, some people felt like he was one of the worst MVPs in history as far as actually winning MVP, which is absolutely insane, but it has been said. But then, like, for him to win back-to-back, -back, and they'll be like, man, he's not even historically worthy enough to be a guy who has won back-to-back -back MVPs. So, like you said, all those narratives kind of really takes away, and then yes. people are casually watching basketball. They're not paying attention and really dissecting the game, you know, minute for minute, second for second. Everything's so focused on how do you come out the game in the first quarter and how do you end the game in the fourth quarter and everything else in between gets lost. Like they care about the first five minutes and the last five minutes. And that's what make people develop their, their decisions on and their takes on players is the first five minutes and the last right. five minutes. They don't care about the other, you know, 40 minutes of the game. Now there's three things I want to say. First is Giannis is the best player in the world right now. So I believe he's Professor Hulk. So me saying LeBron's the MVP, it's not like I'm a naive LeBron guy thinking he's still the best in the world. I think he could be the best in moments, but for a full 82 games, yeah, it should be Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I tweeted that. I was like, to your point, how do you give this guy the award and then the next season he has a better season and he's not even considered like a top guy? That makes no sense to me. So you're taking the sexiest award that we always can't wait to talk about, and it just drives me insane now because – Every year it's different. Every year it doesn't ever make sense to me. Like this year we do have a bunch of candidates where if, for example, the third thing I was going to tell you is if Jokic gets it, which he is my MVP, um, I would be so happy for him. If Embiid gets it, I get it. If Giannis gets it, I get it. So this year is a little different for me just because even though I'm upset at the award, there's so many legitimate candidates for it. It's hard to argue for either one because I can I understand it from all different viewpoints. But to me, from pure value, from an in, uh, injury-riddled roster to how he elevates everyone around him to the stats, Jokic is the MVP and for me this season. Yeah, and he has it all. Like you said, like you take away anybody else's next two best players outside of them, and they're not staying afloat. Like you look – You've taken away AD from LeBron at times, and then Westbrook doesn't fit. And the Lakers have just been a bad team. Not You know, I love LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's played absolutely amazing. But it goes to the point, like, you, AD has been out, and the Lakers can't win a game. Even with Russell Westbrook, you took away Jamal Murray, the point guard, the guy who kind of facilitates. I know Jokic is the facilitator, essentially, but it's different coming from the guard position than it is coming from the center position, even though we have about, what, 10, 12 different positions at this time. So Jamal Murray's not a true 
point guard, but he still brings the ball up the floor. He's a shoot. You know, he can shoot. He can score at will. And so that's an aspect. And then a pure scorer and Michael Porter, like you took that away from Jokic and told him, like, be great. And that's he's done nothing short of that. Like when you right. look, where is he supposed to be? I guess is my question. Like if he's not MVP worthy, then. Without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., what were your expectations on Denver? Because if you're telling me without those guys, they were still supposed to be the best team in the Western Conference, I would say you're crazy. Yeah, it's insane. And what he's able to do, and he's not a sexy player. He's not a flashy player. He's not dunking on you. He's not crossing people over. He's not pulling up on like a pull-up transition from half court like Steph. But the guy can't be guarded. If you're big, it's either one, you're too slow or not crafty enough to guard him. If you're solid and you're athletic, you're not going to want to guard him out on the perimeter. He can shoot the three. If you're smaller, he's going to post you up. If you help, he's going to pass. He can shoot free throws. He literally can do everything on the basketball court well. And when I had um, I had breakfast with Brandon Haywood, right, and in Charlotte, and we got talking, and he ended up bringing something up, and he's like, I think he's probably the most skilled big man ever. I was like, I mean, Hakeem Olajuwon, you could probably say, is the only guy who can legitimately contend against. I'm not saying he's better than Shaq. I'm not saying he's better than Will. But when you look at a complete package as a big man, he's the most well-rounded and skilled big we have ever seen. Because Hakeem didn't pass like this. Like, Hakeem was a better defender, but he didn't pass the way Jokic did. I'm like, huh. And he was like, you know what? I think you could make the argument he's better than LeBron James right now. I was like, get out of here. And then he made a legitimate case. The man beats him in points, rebounds, assists. I'm like, but it's not all about stats. He said, okay, it's not all about stats, right? Look at their place in the in the Western Conference standings. He's winning. I'm like, well, damn, you got me there. So if it's not, what more do you want Jokic to do in order for him to get the MVP? That's what I don't understand for people who don't vote for him. Yeah, and I think it's just, like you said, he's just not, like, it's, it's more fun and exciting to talk about Ja. Because even, like, DeMar DeRozan had made a case. I think just as quick as he made a case in a stretch of, Three weeks, he yeah. kind of faded off at the same time because he had the, he came out strong right after All Star break. But these last couple games, it's kind of like he came back down to earth. He's still playing amazing basketball, but he's not at that stretch that he needed to be at the end of the season. Like he needed to continue that and finish off at least close to how he was playing pre All Star break in those first two games after the All Star break to really keep his name in there. Because DeRozan isn't the guy everybody loves either. He's not. He's typically nobody's favorite player. Well, like Joel Embiid is a personality and these people's yep. player, they love him. Like LeBron J is LeBron James. We know that Jokic isn't really anybody's like favorite player either. Like he doesn't have that personality where you just absolutely love him. And especially in a guard heavy and a wing heavy league, like outside of Joel Embiid, who's made himself like likable and people you either love or you hate him. But because he's that type of, I think he has like that Terrell Owens personality. Yep. He's a cancer in the locker room, but He's fun. He's he, he, you know, he engages with the fans like he's just a guy that you like. And, you know, if you're a media person, you might not like him at the podium. But if you're just an average fan, like you love Joel Embiid, like not a lot of people absolutely hate Joel Embiid. He's a funny guy. So I think that's what happens is the casual fan. But it's casual fans who vote just because they're here talking about sports doesn't mean they really dissect the game. And that's who gets the vote. For the most part, there are I don't want to disrespect everybody who votes for MVP because there are some great minds that I respect. But sometimes in that room, like I want to hear the conversations with MVP. I want to sit in that room and just hear the conversations like because I feel like it's so narrative driven, like you said, because then and even John, like I think Ja has become 
He's a star and he's a future superstar. I don't know. To me, he hasn't done it enough to be like, oh, yeah, he's a superstar. But he is like guys like him, Trey Young, Luca. They're up next. Like they're the future of the league. They are the next guys to be the top five best players. But Jaws exciting. Like what he does in the air. And then he has that personality. And then he coming out of Memphis. And Memphis as a city is kind of in right now. They 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 low key got the rap game on lock. Like they have everything culture wise where everything is coming up out of Memphis at this day and age. And then you have this superstar who talks his talk. He plays grit and grindy, but he is flashy at the same time. So I think it's all about. I think when it comes to MVP, if you can fall in love with a guy, that can be your MVP. But if it's a guy, it it, it becomes a selling point in a sense. And I don't think you can sell Jokic like you can sell Ja or Embiid, or even like LeBron and Steph, because like you said, he's not flashy. It's almost like the argument of Tim Duncan back in the day, but I do think Jokic is more skilled, but it was even Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward of all time and still gets disrespected because he was never exciting to watch as opposed to like Kevin Garnett. That was the power forward. Like, oh yeah, he he set the tone for these power forwards now, but Tim Duncan was, he did it at a great level consistently. He just was boring and nobody really watched the Spurs like that. Yeah, it's, to your point, it's like looking at it as movie trailers. And so Jaw, the momentum, the in with the city. Um, and it's a perfect storm because Memphis, that team historically wants the grit and grind guy. You look at Zebo and Gasol and Conley. So Jaw has that, but yet he's exciting. So you just add that effect to it. Then you have Giannis, the best player trailer. Then you have Embiid with the personality and the monster dunks. And you pair that with Harden. And then you go to Jokic's trailer and it's like, he just produces. Like there's not... He there's just no, it's yeah, not. A, yeah, there's no, there's no flair to that trailer. If there were all movies and movie trailers, you wouldn't pick on that to watch that movie at all. So it's hard to vote for that as the best movie when you don't really want to watch that movie compared to all the other movies you want to watch. But if we're going by valuable, he checks all the boxes. Yeah, it just and Denver has never been, you know, with Jokic, and especially you take away Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. They're not must see TV essentially, like. I don't think, and it's all about appealing to the casual fan because yep. that's who really, that's where the ratings, like we're still watching the Knicks and Lakers on national television three times a week and they're both bad teams and their games should be flexed. But you have LeBron James and you have the New York Knicks, like historically their brand sells and you got to appeal to the casual fan. And no matter how yeah. bad they are, like people watch the Knicks, no matter how bad the Lakers are, especially with having a star like LeBron James, You'll watch people watch it simply just to see LeBron fail, like yep. simply to see Russell Westbrook fail. Like so, you can sell the you can sell the stars and still get the casual fan to be like, you know what? I, I hate LeBron so much. I will turn him on to watch to watch him lose, yeah. and that's what people love. And then it's crazy because LeBron just dropped fifty six. You know, I want to get sidetracked, but LeBron just dropped fifty six. He's yep. had the most points this season. And nobody really talked about it. Like even turning on my TV this morning, like it was still like it was nobody gave it. It was an impressive win. Like not nah, LeBron scored 56. Like that's what he's supposed to do at 37 years old. Like that's what I don't get. And I know like you talk about MVPs, you don't want to bring the age into it. But even still just watching LeBron is like you're not supposed to drop 56 points you know, at 37 years old. And I know people brought up, I think Jordan at 37 dropped 51 or something like that with the Wizards. So, you know, the people who love Jordan have to bring it. Well, look, oh like my goodness, did. that but gets he, me every time. Oh, that was a, that was a special case too, though. Like you would look at Jordan and be like, you're not supposed to do that at 37 years old. That's how amazing it was that his fans will bring that up. So why can't we just give the guys flowers? Cause what he did against Golden State literally, literally carried that team. And who knows that, 
I don't think it will be, but maybe that's the turning point for the Los Angeles Lakers, and maybe they start maybe. playing basketball. We'll see when they match up against the Spurs, but what if that's the turning point? Like, that would be a monumental game that got no love. It would, and no, no, that's a fantastic point. Now, look, I hate to be this guy. I really do. I'm not trying to get into the LeBron-Jordan debate because <laughs> yeah, we, it we, happens, but it's just it, – because I saw that too, and I was like, listen – I'm all in. I appreciate Michael Jordan. I love the guy. I think he was in Daytona Beach for the uh, Daytona 500. Um, my friend actually got fired for taking a picture of him. So I'm up close and personal with this guy. So, like, I like Michael Jordan. I, if you want to say he's the best of all time, cool. But when people start comparing everything that they do, it drives me insane. Because if you were to actually dive in deep on what that performance was like, Michael Jordan didn't even play 19 seasons. So you're comparing a stat at the same age when – LeBron has played so many more seasons and games. It's a completely different 37. And then when you do compare the 37, okay, bring everything in context. Because if Michael Jordan was doing this at the same age as LeBron was doing it, Michael Jordan with the Wizards was averaging 22 points and then 20 points. Like, that's fantastic at that age, right? Mm-hmm. That's not 29 points per game. So just let LeBron, okay, you want to have the 6-for-6, six six, cool. The longevity aspect of it, don't compare these guys because – LeBron's got that in a bag. The only guy that's really comparing to LeBron when it comes to longevity is Kareem. And that's because the guy had an unstoppable shot that no one could stop. But, I mean, he, still, he wasn't the dynamic player that LeBron was at this age. But to your point, all in all, I just had to say that. But it's true. It, it, it's, and it, that's why the MVP award it just completely drives me insane. So I was like, if we're going to just do all these different interpretations of it, let's just rename it. Just go best player award. Who's the best player this year? Or who had the best season this year? Because – it just changes every single year. When Russell Westbrook averages a triple-double, you give it to him. He does it again next year, right? Because you gave him the, the MVP because he won a triple-double. He got it that for the year. You didn't give it to him. So why didn't you give it to him the next year, even though you gave him a triple, you gave him the MVP for averaging a triple-double the last season? just makes no sense. So then, yeah, Giannis gets it last year, has a better season this year, and he's not going to get it. So yeah, I just exactly. don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. Giannis is getting better each year, and it's like, We gave him the MVP for doing this, but we won't give him the MVP for doing this. And he's doing what he did two years ago at a better clip. So, and they might win back-to-back championships. Like, who knows? So, and uh, you know what? That leads right into, so we're going to talk about contenders and pretenders. I have about six or seven teams, and and I'll kind of let you take over on this. I don't think there's that many real contenders anyway uh, in the Western Conference. I think majority of it is coming from the East. So, we'll start with Philly. In your mind, are they a contender or pretender? Contender, hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, I don't. Are you doing this as a quick and go, or do you want an explanation? No, you can you explain it because you know, like you want to see chemistry, especially when you're looking for a championship contending team. You want to see if they're able to actually overcome adversity. You need a big sample size. So initially, you always want to be hesitant, especially when a trade is this late, acting like they're contenders this season. Normally, when people get together, it's the next season that you. Really, okay, this is the year that they could really win it. That first season, they worked out the kinks and the bugs. But your eyes don't lie. Like, this works perfectly because James Harden doesn't have to change who he is in order to fit with Embiid. They were looking for an, a perimeter guy who can score, play, make, and pass. Just be who you are, James Harden. And Embiid does not have to change who he is to play with Harden. Just continue being Embiid. With Brooklyn, even though it looked like it fit at times, Harden had to change his style a little bit, be more of a facilitator for Kyrie and KD. Here, he's being the Harden that we knew in Houston. Like, this is James Harden. And B, this is the MVP in B. So when you have two guys that seamlessly fit who need each other, that's scary. But the key for Philly to really be a true contender 
is Tobias Harris. Yep. Because when the refs swallow the whistle, James Harden has that history in the playoffs. I still think he'll do James Harden things, but they need Tobias Harris to be more consistent within his role. Because if he does that and he unlocks to be that third guy, or if Maxi has consistent performances at the third or fourth guy, they're legitimate contenders for sure. Yeah, and I think it, I think it will. As much as we know, like it comes down to the stars. When you're talking about teams with multiple stars, it does come down to that next guy. And we thought the big three would be Harden, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. I actually thought Tobias Harris would benefit the most from the trade. I knew, you know, I knew Harden and Embiid would fit together right away because, like, the pick and roll aspect, he ran it with Ben Simmons, but I'm like, you know, Embiid has never had where he could do a pick and roll and have a guy where he rolls, he might actually get that mismatch with the guard because you have to respect James Harden shot. You couldn't do that with Ben Simmons. Like you knew when Embiid rolled, the big man could take it. The guard could go under the screen and there was no threat. Now you have to play the pick and roll different and you've seen it. And then we know talent wise, skill wise, just as individuals, we know they're both great individuals, but for Tyrese Maxey to benefit the most, I'm actually surprised. I thought it would be Tobias Harris. I figured he would get a lot more open looks. Uh, I figured, you know, it's just knock down the shots when you get them. Like, that would all Tobias and then play defense. That's all he would have to do. So he does have to figure out where his role is, I think, for them to be champions. So I definitely agree with you. Uh, Brooklyn Nets, contenders or pretenders? Contenders. Now, I have my doubts with them. I wouldn't say they're the favorites. I like Milwaukee and Philly over them. But whenever you have Kevin Durant and you have Kyrie Irving, you combine that with Ben Simmons, who I believe is still an elite defender, 6'10", can pass, facilitate. They're not going to ask him what Philly wanted him to do. Um, they're, they're a contender for sure because Kevin Durant's unguardable. Whatever you want to say about KD, uh, health is your, my biggest concern with them. But as far as on the court, I believe it works, and I think it works quickly. Uh, but I just need to see the health standpoint because Kyrie Irving's injury prone, Kevin Durant's injury prone. But at the end of the day, you have the most gifted scorer we've ever seen. And, and no one can guard him. No matter what team you play against, he's a mismatch for absolutely everybody. So they're a contender. Yeah, so I go opposite for them. I think wow. they're a contender. And I'm going to be honest, I think it catches up to them that Kyrie Irving can't play every game. Like, I think that's going to matter in the playoffs. If, if the playoffs started today, Kyrie Irving could not play home games. And he could sit on the bench. And we can talk about how crazy that is because it's, it's an absolutely insane rule. But right now, Kyrie can't play every game. Wait, wait, wait. Can you clarify that, though, actually? Because I thought, didn't New York just say they're doing, like, a new mandate where he could? So they have they have a private sector that's stopping him from actually. So now he can sit on the bench, but he can't step on the court. Uh, that Dude, makes zero sense. But It makes zero sense. And then, you know, unvaccinated away players can come in and play no problem, but he can't play. He can actually now sit on the bench but he can't play in the game at home games. And that could be subject to change. And that would change my mind on, on Brooklyn. But with not having seen Ben Simmons yet, right. they said he got hurt because he wasn't in shape. That's something like how committed is he to winning a championship this year? And I think that's going to matter. But if they're not, if they can have Kyrie, if it comes out and Kyrie could play, you know, in a seven game series, he could be there for all seven games. I think they're contenders. I don't even think it really comes down to Ben wow. Simmons. I think it comes down to the availability of Kyrie. But if he can't, if you're telling me they're the home team and he could only play in three of those games, which right now they probably would be, you know, they probably would play most of their series where, the, you know, they the other team has home court advantage. So that could work out to the Nets' benefit. But now you're talking about stealing away games and can't give up any at home. Like, that's a tough ask to win a championship being playing majority of your games on the road, like I think that's a tough ask for Brooklyn. 
Yeah, you just opened up a whole different perspective I never thought of because I knew that was going on, but I thought by the time the playoffs came, the mandate changed. So if that mandate does not change, to your point, you can't expect to be a legitimate contender and your second-best guy can't play half your games. Yeah, that's, so yeah, right that's now, crazy. mandate is like it's because it, at first when it came out, it was like, oh, Kyrie's going to be able to play. Yeah. The private sector was like some private sector. I don't fully understand all the politics, but I know due to like a private sector mandate, now Kyrie could sit on the bench, but he couldn't play in home games. So that could change. But then the mayors also came out and kind of said, like, I can't completely change it to benefit Kyrie Irving. Like, this is a health and safety issue of the public. I can't do one thing to benefit one player to try and bring a city a championship. It's kind of the predicament he feels like he's in. So if if it does change and Kyrie can play every game, I think they are contenders with okay. or without Ben Simmons. But yeah. You know, because they added what Drummond and Seth Curry. Like you got Patty Mills, Cam Thomas is playing amazing. We'll see right. how he plays when it the, the lights are the brightest in the playoffs. But I think with that trade, they added a lot of depth, and I don't think they need Ben Simmons as long as Kyrie and KD are healthy. Kind of saw it last year. KD almost took the team to the championship and almost beat Milwaukee essentially single handedly. So even if no Ben Simmons, but I think the whole Ben Simmons project, I think it'll be looking forward to next year really getting healthy and being contenders. And then we still don't know, like, do they bring back Kyrie Irving? But that's a whole bunch of, that's different questions, you know, for a different episode. So I'll move on to the West. I think this is obvious. So you give your explanation about uh, uh, Phoenix. All yes. Right. Or pretender. Uh, there, I think there's two contenders in the West. And I don't know if this will answer your next one. It's the Warriors and it's the Suns. Those are my two that I have. Yeah, those I, are the two. Yeah. My dark horses may be Memphis, but I still think they're a year away. Yeah, like, no, so when yeah. I talk Western, I think Memphis is a year away. I think as fun as they've been, you know, we've seen teams like this before. And like the playoffs is a wake up call. Like, hey, it, you know, the playoffs will humble you real quick. And I think I think John Moran is great. I think he is a, in the MVP discussion. But I just think they're about a year or two away from actually like making a finals appearance. The right in, and, and I hate to say it, but this happens. But the right player could get injured in the series, before the series, to give Memphis the advantage, we are like, oh, okay, I don't know if this team could beat Memphis without, but I think as constructed, all teams entering healthy, because it looks like unless any other injuries happen, these guys will be healthy heading into the playoffs. I think it's the Warriors and Suns out the West, uh, and I think that's it. Um, so what about the Miami Heat, contender or pretender? I think they're a pretender. I do. I've not been sold on the Miami Heat. Um, I know we talked a little off-air Um I've I've really liked the acquisition of PJ Tucker. I liked the Kyle Lowry acquisition. You got some dogs, some championship DNA guys who do the little things. DTLT, especially come playoff time, it's more physical. Refs swallow the whistle. You need those guys who can knock down the shot, live up to the big moments, take those charges. But at the, you also need your superstars, and stars, frankly, win championships. And there there's a select few, like very few, out of all the NBA championships that have ever been won you think of the pistons um it's like you they there's a collection of guys that's very rare that you get that it takes a very special team that's just a collection of guys that win the championship but you go through the other list and you get the lebrons the jordans the Kawhi leonards the kobe's the shacks the d wades the you have the steph curry's you have stars mm -hmm. i don't think the miami heat have a star a superstar and you're often defined as Who's your second best player? I don't know who the second best player would be on this team. Is it Bam? Is it Kyle Lowry? And honestly, you'd say, okay, well, Kyle Lowry's been the second best player on the team. Was he or is it Siakam? And also you had Kawhi Leonard. 
this team doesn't have a Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sold on the Miami Heat. I think they're a great, they're a good team. They're not a great team. So I'm going to say pretender as well. Um, you said everything that I've always said, especially this year. I said it on my last show, why people don't buy into the Miami Heat. Like you literally like reiterated <laughs> it because I really feel like that's how people feel. Like that's what you said is what I get from people. If you tell me like, that's what you're going to tell me, or that's what that's the only thing I can respect that you tell me if you think Miami's not a champion. That is why. And we'll I'll get into really why I think they're a yep. pretender leader. Uh, we said we'll talk about that. So the last team I want to do is the Chicago Bulls, contender or pretender? Pretender. I love them. Uh, they're a fun watch. I'm really high on Zoe. We talked about DeMar DeRozan, obviously. Zach Levine is an awesome guy. Great interview. He was a great player. He's a great player as well. But all in all, they're a pretender. They're they're a really, like I said, exciting watch. They play hard. They change the the direction of this team, and they're fun now. And they have a purpose, and they have a direction. All positives, but they're they're not a legitimate contender this year. Yeah, and I think I think they're so much like Memphis. Age isn't the factor, but I think like they're fun. They can be really great on their best days, but they can have some bad days. And I think the difference is there's five, six deep on the Easter Conference side where Memphis might get lucky and only have to face one of Phoenix or Golden State, where Chicago might have to go through Milwaukee and then Brooklyn and then Philly to ultimately reach a championship. And I just don't see Chicago doing that. So I agree. Oh, I forgot the one more t- Milwaukee Bucks. I-, I would assume. We- oh, con- yeah. Legitimate contenders. As okay. legit as it gets. I was going to yep. skip over them, but I'm like, because I feel like that's obvious. Like the reigning yeah. finals MVP, the reigning champs, they're playing at a high level. And I think, what I like about Milwaukee this year is I think, and, and I don't want to, I say this, it's true. I don't think they're as serious in the regular season. Like, you know, the past few years, they've been such a great team in the regular season, but they haven't been that same team in the playoffs. And I think last year you kind of seen it like they're more willing to rest players. If you're hurt, don't play. Like usually all of them, unless they were injured, they were on the court. You know, Giannis would play 79 games in a season. You'd have to beg them to rest on the on the end of the season when you have, you know, the one seed locked up. But I think now they're taking a more like, let's be healthy for the playoff approach. We've already won a championship. We brought the team back. Uh, Boogie had a hell of a game, you know, the other night, which, you know, if, if he's going to play or I said Boogie, like <laughs> from when he was with, Denver, yeah. play with Denver, but you know, but they found ways to take the regular season, I don't think as serious. Like they didn't put all their chips in the regular season. They're they're strutting along because they're good enough. They're great enough to win games when Giannis is on the court, but they're more focused on the postseason. Now I think that's what I like to see from Milwaukee because you go all in on the regular season, you end up gassed out. You know, you you're gassed by the playoffs. And this year is not the time to be tired, to have not have your legs up under you because the Easter Conference is literally going to be a dog fight. And I know as much as they've kind of fell off, like depending on how the play in, you know, falls, your first matchup could be Toronto. Like yeah. it's you, you could match up. Y'all could be four or five. Milwaukee could have to play Boston in the first round. Like the way both teams are playing, like that could be a four or five matchup. They could have to play Cleveland. Like you never know what your first round matchup is. And that's not one through eight. I don't really want to play any one of those teams. Like if you get the one seed, you could play Brooklyn one or two. So you could end up playing Brooklyn. And so, that's you don't want to be gassed out going into the first round and having to play a team who really could have a shot at winning a championship. And that's the type of season you can have. So I do like that Milwaukee has kind of t- 
taking a step back on the regular season, rested guys if they were hurt. I've seen them rest Giannis on random nights, and they've never done it on a national television night, which I do respect. Like, if you're going to rest the player, do it on Monday night when nobody's watching. Like, don't Thursday night on TNT, Milwaukee's playing Golden State, and you're like, we're going to rest Giannis. Like, I don't, I can't stand that aspect of basketball. Like, if you're going to do it, do it on a Tuesday night when you're playing the Pacers and nobody's watching, like you're not the prime time game of the night. And so that's kind of what they've done. So I do like Milwaukee's approach on trying to repeat as a champion. So to move on before we get to our last topic, I, I, this has been a conversation and I think we're always trying to find a new face And the difference between now and any other time I think in the league has been, we've had a face of the league for the longest stretch ever. Like nobody has ever officially replaced LeBron James as the face of the league. And you're still seeing like he's the face of the league now. That's why the Lakers are talked about so much. Like he could play in OKC and OKC would be the team to watch. They would be because of LeBron James. We tried to replace him with Steph Curry during that stretch, but you just knew that he wasn't better than LeBron and LeBron's love, LeBron's shoes. Like there's the, the mantra of LeBron James is honestly bigger than Steph Curry the social media following, the family aspect, following his kids. They're playing at, you know, Bronny Jr., like Bryce. Like the, the whole following of LeBron just makes him the face, and he's been the chosen one since he stepped in the league. So my question is, should the NBA be searching for a new face of the league, or should they just be okay by the league being carried by a plethora of young stars that you love them, you hate them, you figure it out? Because if I look at the young guys – is Jason Tatum a face of the league? Is Trey Young, can Trey Young, do you really want him to be the face of the league? As great as he is, does he seem like that face of the league type of player? Luca, I think, you know, and Zach said, and I agree with him, is like the European, I don't think they'll really want a European to be the face of the league. I think they're trying with Giannis, and I think he's starting to be more open, so maybe it's Giannis, but even he's in his late 20s, so you're looking at the future. Like, so do you think the NBA needs a face, or do you think that they should carry you know, they, they should let the plethora of young guys carry him. Uh, first is, I know this is a long response. I always give you long responses. But <laughs> LeBron James, I don't think people understand, like, the the level of star power he has. So I cover the Orlando Magic. And I've covered all game. I think pretty much every team now. And when he comes to town, like, it's, like, it's hands down a completely different feeling. For one, you have more LeBron fans than you have Magic fans in the building. Two... It, like our our players for the Orlando Magic are like looking forward to playing against him. Like they can't wait to play him. He's literally like a star amongst stars. It's a Michael Jackson amongst other people. It's uh, like it's just a completely different. Like there's few superstar like mega stars amongst superstars. Like a Muhammad Ali, the Prince, the Michael Jackson, the Michael Jordans, like LeBron James. Like, it's ridiculous. So. Even when he's not the best player in the league anymore, to your point, he's still like the face of the league because of who he is and the brand that he has. So I don't think he'll ever actually surpass him being the face of the league until he's done playing. Now, because the best player in the world is Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I think he's been the best player in the world since last year, and we still say LeBron's the face of the league. So until he's done playing, I don't know if we'll actually see it be passed on who's the face. And it brings me to this point. I think if Giannis wins again, it's undisputable. He should be the face of the league. Um, but I don't know if you watched the show Game of Thrones or if you ever have watched it. Yeah, I've watched it. Okay. People are fascinated by who's going to get the throne. 
Like that's like the whole fascination. Is it Jon Snow? Is it going to be Khaleesi? Is it going to be this king? Is it going to be this person? And they're all eventually going to lead to one path to who gets the throne. That's what the whole show was about. People didn't even like it when this person got the, the throne. But we were so intrigued by who's going to get it. So the league, I feel like, is in a position where that they've never been in, like you said, in a very long time. Even pre-LeBron, he went, it was, it was like Larry Bird. And then, it, I mean, sorry, Larry Magic. And then it goes into Michael Jordan. And then you have like Kobe and Shaq and then like Duncans and then Braun. Mm-hmm. So it's like you've always had it. Now you don't. So this is a really cool opportunity. Instead of it being a negative on, who, oh, no, who's the face? Well, dang, now this can be pretty intriguing because now every year we're trying to figure out who's going to get that throne. And so I kind of feel like it has that element to it. So I feel like it could be a plus rather than a negative. But to answer your question, ultimately, I don't think there is one until LeBron's done playing, even though he's not the best player in the world. And, and that, so, yeah, and I, I agree. And like you said, like, that's why I've even made the point, like Giannis is what, 28? I think he yeah. turned 28 this year. So like, we see LeBron playing for another two years. That puts Giannis at 30. Is your face of the league, do you want it to be a guy who's 30 headed on the wrong side of 30, right? Like, don't let what LeBron and even like Chris Paul or like when I say with football, what Tom Brady has done, that's not the precedent for players. Like, we are not in an era where we're about to see guys be at their greatest at 37 years old. Like, even we see it with Kevin Durant, like, he hasn't been healthy for a consistent season like in years, even last year, he was healthy throughout most of the season, but he still got banged up. He still missed some time. So the the putting that on all these young guys, that that's the expectations, be great at 36, 37 years old, be able to lead your team at a championship. So I don't think if you label Giannis at 30 as the face of the league, you're going to be looking for a new one in two to three years. And you'll have the you'll have a nice group of guys heading into their prime at that time. But is there one guy out that group? And like you said, that might make for a better story. It might make it more intriguing to continuously have these conversations of like, okay, this guy might be the face of the league up because this happened in the playoffs. This guy might be the face of the league and then reset and it goes right next year. Like that might make for a better story. So I do agree with you there. Yeah. And I I think it's going to be intriguing. Now I don't think it's Luca. um, And I'm not trying to make this as a bold take, but I watched him play. And I remember I texted Chad this too. And I was like, you can't win that way. I was like, you're just not going to. Now, he may be the face of the league type of talent. He may put up face of the league type of stats, but you can't win that way. Like, and that's why I think he's incredible. But I wouldn't want that guy to be my ticket to a championship. You keep, that's the, Phil Jackson had a conversation with Michael Jordan about this. Like, you can't average 40 and 50 and expect to win a championship this way. And so I don't think it's Luka because I don't think he'll have the success uh, like that to win championships unless something drastically changes in his playing style. I don't think it's Tatum and I love young, but I don't think young is necessarily the face of the league. I don't think John Morant's the face of it. So yeah, I don't think there's one guy besides, like you say, Giannis, but he's going to be on the back nine eventually on who is that next guy. Yeah. And I think when I see Trey young, I think Trey young could be the villain and not in a bad way, not about his game, just, He's a little cocky to where people don't like him. I love it. Like, I love Trey Young. I love watching him play. But he's a little cocky to where, like, your average fan doesn't like Trey Young. You see, he's hated in the whole city of New York. Like, they they hate Trey Young to, to a weird extent at, at times. But I think he'd be more the villain, kind of like how a Reggie Westbrook, Miller. 
or, or or Reggie Miller, but even Westbrook, like even when Westbrook was averaging triple double, he still was played villain. Like the media mm-hmm. found ways to pick and poke at him about like, okay, well, you know, they made it to the Easter Conference, and then Trey Young says like it's totally different trying to ramp up for regular season when you've had some playoff success and people killed him for that. And like Russell Westbrook would say comments similar that the media wouldn't accept, and so they mm-hmm. would pick and poke at him. I could see Trey Young being that guy. I just think I think he would embrace it though. He's embraced it up to this point. I think he would embrace being the villain, but it has nothing to do with his game, just the role that he has in the NBA. I could see him being that. And I think Luca, I don't think a lot of people like Luca as as a p- personality. Like I think his game is great. We all know watching Luca is like it's prime time box, but he's to me the fa- he's not athletic enough to really be that guy. Like I think John Morant would have more of a shot of being the face of the league. Than, than Luca would, but then like the crybaby antics and stuff, the same thing that people kill LeBron for. Like Luca's a crybaby, he's a walking technical foul. And I don't think people love that about Luca. And I think that would be where like they shy away of really embracing him. And to be honest, it's not, he's not American born. I think that matters in people's opinion. Like, do you, do people want as the face of the NBA somebody who, you know, wasn't born and bred that they can relate to in America? I think that, ha- I think that matters too. It's weird in a weird way. It almost like it's a. It's not even about your game. It's how you carry yourself. Like your point. It's like it almost like people say you don't feel presidential. Like they want the president to be presidential. We don't want you being emotional or like saying yeah. things you shouldn't say. You need to carry yourself in a presidential way. It's like the face of the league. You have to have this aura of like you can control a room. You want them to be like a quarterback. That's what you need them to be. Like someone that can control the room. An alpha head on their shoulders, very driven, relatable, and I don't think there's a quarterback out there right now in the league. Yeah, and that's why, like, Kevin Durant wasn't the face of the league no. because of his interactions with people on social media, him having burner accounts. Like, it was – like, he just wasn't mature enough off the court for people. Like, he didn't embrace the – like, and that's why LeBron's been so long through the ups and downs. Like, he embraces the fans. He loves the journey. He lo- You know, he embraced being the chosen one coming into the league, and he's embraced the journey – up to that and he's accepted his flaws you know when he, when he loses he puts it on himself and some people say he blames everybody else but he really doesn't like he sits down and accepts everything that comes with being the star of all stars so i'm to move on to i've been looking forward to this i've had this take i guess you could say this take in my bag and i knew i was having you on the show so this is going to be the first time i was really going to explain it in detail i've hinted okay. towards it you know, talking to some of the guys at the network, but like really being able to explain it in detail. So coming, we're heading into the playoffs here in the next few weeks, but about a month away from the playoffs. And so the big thing that everybody likes to talk about is legacies. Like legends are made in the playoffs, not in the regular season. Like, so that's where you create a legacy for yourself. That's where Giannis, that's where the goats become goats. That's where, you know, the all-time players become all-time players. Your performances when games are on the line in the playoffs, it's not made in the regular season. It's all cool in the regular season, what you do. But you're judged on when you win, when it matters, and that's obviously the playoffs. So when I say legacy on the line, there's just some guys, some players that you'll be looking at that you have expectations for heading into the playoffs. And if they fall short, you're going to start looking at them different. You might start thinking about maybe making some moves or if the team doesn't have success. Like, for example, we're hearing that if Utah doesn't have the type of success Donovan Mitchell wants, he could be out and he wants to be in a bigger market. And so he doesn't want to be in a smaller market and not win. He'd rather be in a bigger market, you know, brand him, rebrand himself and get that marketable marketability money 
I think is is what Donovan Mitchell is looking at. Is like, if I'm not going to be winning championships, I do want to go somewhere where I can get other guys to come play with me. I ain't getting no guys to come play at Utah, but I also want to be a brand for myself. Like, you see, like LeBron and KD, everybody else is branding themselves. LeBron goes to LA and becomes even, you know, Mr. Hollywood. So is there a certain player or a couple of players that you're looking at that in the playoffs, if they don't do this, this is my solution or this is how I look at them for possibly in, until they prove to me otherwise? The key word in all that was expectations. So I don't really have too many expectations unless you're a legitimate contender. So I'm looking at the contenders to win the championship. Those have my highest expectations. So you look at what we talk about, the Brooklyn Nets, Philly, um, Milwaukee. We looked at Phoenix and Golden State. So out of those five teams, uh, Giannis, I think he's already proved. I don't think his legacy is on the line. He already has won a championship on his own. I'm going to scratch Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks out. Um, the Warriors, Steph Curry, I think his legacy is already defined, changed the game, three championships, scratch. Now, that doesn't mean they can't win a championship, win a finals MVP, and that doesn't enhance his legacy, but his legacy is safe. So yeah. I can scratch the Warriors out. CP3, it would help to win a championship. If he doesn't, his legacy is defined. So that really leads me to the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant's legacy is already defined. I think he's um, all an all-timer, but this is where it gets interesting. So I believe Kevin Durant, if they lose, we're going to go back to the move. You lost. Yep. So I'm not questioning his legacy, but I'm questioning the move. You left Golden State to Brooklyn. So we're, that's going to get brought back up again. You mentioned Kyrie Irving. If they're the reason why, if he's the reason why they lose is because he's not available, fair or not, that's a legacy hit. It, it, yep. it really is, especially because he doesn't have the greatest resume right now. With being a headache, it seemed like in Cleveland, like not really getting along with LeBron, obviously the headache in Boston and now you go to Brooklyn and now you're the reason why they don't win because you're not available to play. So Kevin Durant, it will be questioned for his move and Kyrie Irving for obviously not being available. Now, lastly, Embiid and Harden. So now this is a legacy defining one for Harden because now you have a legitimate chance to win a championship. You are, you're in a great position with Joel Embiid, the best player you've probably ever played with, right? Especially in their prime at the moment. I mean, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, but Embiid right now, if he doesn't show up in the postseason after demanding and willing his forcing his way out to get traded once again, that could really hurt his legacy. Now, when I say don't show up, he can't shrink, right? Like if he loses, yeah. I'm not going to be like, ah, maybe Harden's not that good. Like, no, these are great players. But how you lose, there's different ways of losing. Now, if you just completely just don't show up in a Eastern Conference series against Milwaukee, that's not going to look good at all. So those – those two teams in particular have the most on the line or those players, in my opinion. Yeah. So I told you we kind of talked about I hinted towards it pre-show just so I'm going with Jimmy Butler. I, I think Jimmy Butler. I, th I don't know if it's necessarily legacy for me, but Jimmy Butler's reputation as whatever player you look at him as. I think it's on the line. And wow. you said everything on why, because you don't consider the Miami Heat a contender. And right. neither do I. And for everything you said, they don't have a superstar. They don't have a guy that late in games, he can get his own bucket. Because like you said, stars win championships. And so I said, Jimmy Butler is an all-star, but he would, as great as he fit in Miami, he's not really the answer. Like if he's your second best player, you can win a championship. And like you said, you're talking about Jimmy Butler leading the team. I know he went to the finals in the bubble, and he played out of his mind. And since then, we thought that would be, we're going to get that from Jimmy Butler the next couple of years. He shrinks against Milwaukee last year. I think, and then he shrinks, 
I'm not going to say strengths and moments in the regular season. I really don't care how clutch you are in the regular season. They win by team effort. You know, Duncan Robinson might hit seven threes one night. Tyler Hero might drop 30 another night. Bam Adebayo has a 25-point double-double another night. You know, Caleb Martin and Max Struess can't miss from the three-point line. Like, they have so many different ways that they win. But a lot of those, first off, you're playing in, what, an eight, nine-man rotation max uh, in the in the playoffs. So some of those guys, that 10th, 11th, 12th guy on your bench, really isn't a factor uh, come playoff time. We know Oladipo's coming back. We'll see if he can stay healthy, what he looks like. But I think any type of Miami Heat success is going to come off of Jimmy Butler. And I think if he shrinks, I would go as far to say, if Jimmy Butler plays like he played last year against Milwaukee, and I don't know what their expectations within the organization are, but this is a team who's the number one seed in the, West, or in the Eastern Conference, and nobody really buys into them being a champion. I think if Jimmy Butler plays like how he repeats what he did last year, I think you trade Jimmy Butler. I think you have to look about trading Jimmy Butler because you paid him all this money. I think he has value elsewhere. And a guy I'm looking at, like just everybody's like, the first question when you say this, well, what does a package for Jimmy Butler look like? I don't know. When it comes to offseason availability, what you can move, who wants him. Like, I don't know who would gauge interest because he seems like he's locked into Miami because he embodies heat culture. But how long do you want a guy to embody heat culture and not bring championships to it? And so I think Jimmy Butler, if he repeats that, I think you got to look at trading him because and, and a, a guy I would like to see, if he could stay healthy, I think Paul George would be the answer for the Miami Heat. I know you don't feel like he could be the best player on the championship team, but what Paul George does is what Miami's missing. They need that guy who could take over and just get his own bucket late in game when all else fails. So I am looking at Jimmy Butler, and I, I don't know if it's legacy because how much of a legacy does he have? Like, he's a really good player. He's an all-star player, but... Do you care if Jimmy Butler wins a championship? No, I don't. But having been one of the best teams in the Easter Conference for three years and you made it to the finals in the bubble, which people discredit, and then you get absolutely murdered in the first round, and you could look at possibly matching up against Brooklyn. In pos- like, who knows? They get obliterated in the first round again because Kevin Durant is that star, and that's the, fact- the factor that you're missing. I think you have to trade Jimmy Butler. No, I think you're 100% correct. And even though I don't have the expectations of them being contenders, that's a point to what you're saying. Because why are we not? You're a first seed in the East. You should be a con- legitimate contender. Exactly. And on top of that, you're getting paid like you're a superstar. So if you're getting the the number one seed and people aren't taking you seriously and you're getting paid max money, why are you not having the max expectations? Yeah. That's a great and, point. And, and that's, that's why I say, because I always, like I said, when I ask people, why are the Heat not contenders in your eyes? It's the, the guys that I respect say the same thing. Like I've been saying that, but they, they all say the same thing. They don't have that superstar. And it's like, well, how can we feel like that when Jimmy Butler is getting paid superstar money, came to Miami to be, he was the answer. We've already reached the finals. I know it was in the bubble, but we've reached the finals. He played absolutely amazing. He showed he's capable, and we haven't seen that yet. He hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout the season the way you want your superstar to, but you accept it when like Kevin Durant's not healthy, misses 20 games, and then comes back and drops 30 like he never left. Like, you accept that from your superstars when they could come back and be superstars and you know that they have that mantra of being a superstar in the playoffs. So that's why I say I don't know if it's legacy is the right word for Jimmy Butler because I don't think he's a player that anybody cares whether he wins a championship or not. But I'm just looking at all the talent that the Miami Heat have. They're the number one seed in the East. They've been a top team in the Easter Conference for the past three years and nobody yet has really took them serious as a as a contender. You don't 
really project them to be in the NBA Finals. You know, my guy Justin did. He thinks Suns in Miami Heat. And I'm still, I'm a Miami Heat fan, and I just can't buy it because I think Jimmy Butler is not the answer. And so if he does shrink, if I'm Pat Riley, I'm looking like this dude is going to have value elsewhere. As much as we love Jimmy, as much as he embodies what Heat culture is, he's been great for Miami. You got to make a business move. And I think you do have a championship roster. And I think if you're not going to, if you're not going to get it from Jimmy Butler, I think you can make a trade package and bring in a couple more players and just make it an even deeper team and have more talent from one through eight and be a little more talented in your eight, nine man rotation. And like you said, try and get it done the Detroit Pistons way, as opposed to thinking like your big three of Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam out of Bio and surround them with whoever, because you're about to have to pay Tyler hero instead of trying to surround them with whoever, just get a deep team and see if you can win that way. And like you said, there's been very few but I think you'd be better off going that way by letting go of Jimmy Butler. If he can't now, if he comes in and he plays absolutely amazing and either a, the heat just falls short or they make it to the Easter conference finals or they make it to the finals and Jimmy Butler plays amazing. Everything I say goes out the window, but that's what I'm looking for because I think the Miami heat will have to make the answer because they are kind of old. Kyle Lowry over 35, Jimmy Butler is about to be 33 or 34 years old. P.J. Tucker's on a two-year deal. He's on the wrong side of his 30s. So now you're looking at your core is built off of Duncan Robinson, who's like 28 years old, and then Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo. So I think if even if Jimmy Butler can't bring you close to championship success this year, then maybe you start thinking about the future and get as much as you could get for Jimmy Butler and continue to build around what looks like the core of your team for the future is going to be Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, and probably whoever else, because I think Hero will be an all-star here. Uh, in the next couple of years. No, I think you hit it right on the money. And it's, it's just no one's holding that expectation on him. And it's crazy because he is making that type of money. So I'm, I'm interested. And I think he's you're ultimately going to end up being right. And I don't know if they'll ship him, but that's I don't know if they trade him. I think that's where somebody will find that hot take-ish because the first question, gonna, what are you going to get for Jimmy Butler? Like, I don't know what his, I know he has value. I don't know what people, like if you find out Jimmy Butler is available for trade, I don't know what people offer who knows what players are unhappy or, you know, don't resign. So you look at a sign and trade because right. you want to call other players from another team. Cause I even, I put it in the, in the, uh, in the NBA trade machine. This is hypothetical, but Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson, don't ask me why I like this trade, but Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson for John Wall, Jay Sean Tate and Christian Wood. It works money wise. I don't know if Houston would do it. Maybe I'm not sure they would do it, but as far as money wise, and I think it makes sense if John, obviously it's if John Wall can stay healthy, but you know, he's had a year rest. He might come in healthy. And I think Christian Wood will be perfect at the five. We can move Bam, Bam out of bio back to the four, which is where he plays the best at. And I think you just go in with a good deep team again, and you just hope they can stay healthy. But that was a trade package. I was kind of looking at that's where the money works. I think you could do better than that. I want Paul George. If I was to get rid of Jimmy Butler, but Paul George health concerns me. I guess so does John Walls, but I also get a three and D guy and Jay Sean Tate and I get a Christian Wood that I can play alongside Bam out of bio. So I would be okay. Keep all the deep or whatever, but getting into what, what those trade packages would look like for Jimmy Butler's for another time. So Max, I appreciate your time, bro. Before we cut out, uh, let everybody know where they can follow you and check out all your work. Thank you for having me on once again. I appreciate your knowledge as well. Um, my name is my brand. So Max Van Auken, that's V-A-N space A-U-K-E-N. 
Um, that's my podcast, Max Van Auken Podcast, the MVP on any podcast platform, Instagram, Twitter, Max Van Auken, and themvp.net is my website. So if you want to have me on your show, you want me to come, uh, come on my show, all my information, my sponsorships, all on themvp.net. So GM Mo, I appreciate you having me on your show, and uh, we're going to get you on the MVP soon. Yeah, 100%, bro. So I appreciate you for coming on. I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening. And on that note, up in flames.